Welcome to KathleenWitten.org. We believe that Kathleen's message will inspire you, encourage you, and give you a fresh perspective on life. Now, here's Kathleen. You know how you feel when you're like, oh, God, to get a sh- take a shower or take a bath or whatever your preference. And we need to realize that we need to wash ourselves in the Word daily. Daily. Because we get that grit and grime of the world on us and we get our minds going in the wrong direction and um, there is very little input of <laughs> godly input during our day even in just looking at um, you know billboards from going down the highway I mean I think it's like very unfair for alcoholics half of them are for beer and half of them for Goose, whatever that is, vodka, and and I mean, it, I, I'm I'm just saying we have messages all day long that are from the world, and we need to get a message from God, and we also have messages from the world that's like, you can do it, or come to this seminar and and you can be all that you can be, and we need to know it's not us, it's God. And our lives are hidden in Christ, and I get washed every time I get in the Word. Every time you get in the Word, you get washed. That's why it feels so good to, to leave after you've been hearing the Word. I believe it's Romans ten nineteen that says that faith comes from hearing the Word and hearing the Word of God. Faith builds and builds. But then it's Ephesians um, five twenty six that says that the Word actually washes us and cleanses us, and renews us. And so it's not up to us to like wash, cleanse, and, and renew ourselves. I remember when we went to Mexico, and there were these like ancient kind of sauna of the Aztecs where you could just sweat out all the impurities of your spirit, and blah, 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 and and, you know, it's a part of the hotels thing that they did. But a lot of people took it really seriously. And uh, one woman asked me, she said, are you going to go in there and do it? It's just wonderful. You just feel so good afterwards. And I was like, I can just go to my own little room up the way that's right up the hill from this little sauna outdoor place. And um, I don't have to sweat or anything. And she was like, what's in your room? And I said, a shower, and she said, what's in your shower? And I said, oh, I see what you're saying. No, I mean, through the Bible, I get washed clean every day. And she was like, where is that? And so, you know, it kind of starts that whole conversation. And that's why we need to know Scripture. Because when we know Scripture, we can say things to people that make sense to them. And then they're like, That's exactly what I need. I need to feel clean, or I need to be regenerated, or I need to be transformed. And that's why we love Romans 12, too, you know, that we're transformed. I love that word, transformed. Metamorphosis, like a butterfly. Okay, we left off on John 4, 43. And it says, now after two days, he, Jesus, departed from there and went to Galilee. For Jesus himself testified that a prophet has no honor in his own country. And that's still true. And when when I was looking at this the other day, I kept looking at it. And 
at the breakfast table, the Lord was just like very specific with me. I need certain miracles right now. And our family needs certain miracles right now. I'm sure you do too. I'm sure you do too. You know, for God to intervene or God to move or, or for God to do whatever only God can do. I was sitting there at breakfast and I just, I just heard in my heart, not a voice, not, I just heard it in my heart. And I had been studying for this. I heard in my heart, Kathleen, where is Christ's hometown? And I said, well, Nazareth. <laughs> he goes, no. It's my hometown. Where is it now? And I said, my heart. And he said, do you know you can apply that scripture to your heart? We can get so familiar with Jesus that we're like, yeah, yeah, I'll never leave us or forsake us or... Oh, yeah, Christ to me, the hope of glory. Oh, sure, yeah, I can do all things through Christ who brings me. Oh, yeah, he crowns me with, with crowns of glory and, and renews my strength like eagle wings. Uh-huh, yeah. And we're not expecting. And so what we need to do is be expecting. Expectation is faith. In other words, when I found out I was pregnant with Maddie... It didn't show anywhere that I was pregnant with Maddie, except for on a little test in the doctor's office. But I took it and believed it, and that was faith. And then I was expecting. And you couldn't see anything on the outside for a long time. And then God did his thing. And we need to be expecting God. In other words, when we're praying to God, instead of just, well, God, you know the situation, and you know, we need to be expecting his outcome. We need to not speak what the devil would like us to speak, which would be a negative outcome. We need to not speak the obvious world outcome. We don't even need to speak the, this is what I think is going to happen outcome. We need to say, you know what, this is in God's hands is out of my hands and I am really, really praying about it and to be expecting and to know that Jesus in your heart, that is his hometown. And if you get too familiar with them, then it doesn't hit you like it, like it, like it should. It should. And, and I, that's what God told me, Kathleen, you're just, you're, you're too familiar with me. And it hurt. It felt really good, too. Because when you're convicted, it's like it hurts and feels really good at the same time. Kind of like a massage. Yeah? And, and it's like a soreness that you didn't even know was there. And then someone comes behind you and, like, the Holy Spirit just, like, just squeezes my traps or something. And just says, oh, I am going to just help you just loosen up and know that God is God and he can do anything. But it's still true. We want to look at this too also as the fact that God uses ordinary people in our lives. You know, you, you can see in churches or you can see in conferences when there are people that, that are from like Australia. All of a sudden you get a big crowd and all of a sudden what they say is so much more important than what I might say, because I'm from Texas and you're used to what I say, but if, but if this person says, Jesus is alive in you, you, you're apt to be excited about it. 
And it's just, it's human nature. It's a silly thing, but it's human nature. And Jesus said, it's human nature that a, a prophet is not honored in his own hometown. In other words, as, as our mothers have probably taught us, familiarity breeds contempt. Okay? And we need to think about that because sometimes the more familiar we are with someone, the more critical we become of them and the more close we become to them and the more we uh, don't appreciate them. And it's easier to, and that's usually family. So we miss a lot of times what God's doing. A lot of times God might be speaking to you through a family member. But you're so familiar with that family member that it's like, um, no. I will take four angels and a harp and the clouds opening and the lightning bolt. But I ain't taking Sister Sue because she drives me crazy. You know, we need to just be loving and open to who God uses. We can miss miracles um, when God would do something through just someone familiar. I did not know I had leukemia. I did not. But I, I was in a full set of braces for a year and a half with a headgear that went from my forehead to my chin that I had to wear 18 hours a day in order to try to break my upper palate, which was also being expanded and pushed out at the same time. Of course, I had this like preschooler and all of her friends tell their parents, um, I want face jewelry. And no one knew what they were talking about until they're like, Mrs. Whitten has it, face jewelry. I was like, well, you can have my face jewelry. But anyway, um, yeah, you know, when you're four, face jewelry. And they'd say, and oh, and the beautiful necklace on your teeth. And oh, anyway, but um, I had this going on for a year and a half because I was told definitely I needed surgery. My upper palate was too narrow and not long enough. So I needed m- literally millimeters, which is a lot in the mouth of, of width and length. And so this orthodontist was willing, not believing but willing to put up with me and let me at age 33 or whatever it was um have my upper palate grow which your upper palate is solidified at age whatever it is 14 or something and as a girl or 15 or whenever you finished your growth spurt and um but mine had been messed up orthodontically because of all the things I had orthopedically with the scoliosis and with all the surgeries and the body casts and the, it, had, it had changed. And then our family has kind of this latent growth deal that comes in college where sometimes the upper, I mean, the lower palate grows a little bit. And I think our shoe size grow. I think we become smarter. No, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. That does not happen, but that would be nice. But so anyway, we, we had this going on because I didn't have peace about surgery. I'd already had surgery, 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 and I didn't feel good. And our whole house was under construction. I was sleeping by the front door on a mattress, and I didn't feel good. So I was kind of painting one of the rooms and... Um, And I just decided I cannot have jaw surgery right now. I cannot afford to lose 20 pounds. And that was back when they would put your jaw shut. It's much improved now. And I'm thankful for it. 
but it was back when they would have to cut your upper palate into four pieces and literally put plates and then you had to have your jaw wired shut for weeks and weeks and drink, you know, whatever you could through a straw. And I just thought, I have a little kid, you know, I have a ministry in a, I'm, we're remodeling our house and I don't feel good, you know? And I kept thinking I'm pregnant, <laughs> but anyway, I didn't know I had leukemia. So thank God I didn't have that surgery. Well, this orthodontist is just kind of putting up with me. And, you know, here I am, I'm sitting and I'm, you know, the only one in line that doesn't use Clearasil every night. I mean, everybody else is like 13, 14, 15, and here I am in the chair and um, I have all these questions. And um, after about a year and a half, though, man, I got weary of that. We actually went to Oklahoma, and I don't have time to tell you the whole story, but this man, this normal man, probably my age, a little bit younger than Lacey, he came up to me, and he prayed over me. He grabbed both my shoulders, and he prayed over me, and he said, like, jaw move. And because we told him the problem, what we thought was the problem, we didn't know I had leukemia. And he looked at Lacey, and he goes, okay, just watch your jaw, because it's going to move in the next couple of days. It was 24 hours later that I had five millimeters of width and six millimeters of length. I had too much. I did an overbite. And the orthodontist was like shocked. And he came from a small town. His dad was a Pentecostal preacher. So he, he, and he really didn't go with that business. So he was like, I'm taking this to the convention in Arizona. Don't tell anyone that God did it. I'm like, I'm telling everyone that God did it. And so then that was it. I didn't have to have jaw surgery. There had been an expander for a year and a half. And there had been a headgear for a year and a half pulling. But we weren't getting anywhere. And he didn't think we would. And overnight, it was just like everything just released. Okay, an ordinary man. I am so glad that Lacey and I didn't go. What a weirdo. We need to recognize God uses ordinary people. Matter of fact, sometimes he uses the weirdest people because they're usable. Seriously. A lot of us that look like we have everything together are not usable because we're thinking, well, I can do it. I have a good education. I don't need God. I'm going on. I, I love Jesus. Um, I'm, I'm familiar with Jesus in my heart. I know 12 scriptures. I don't think I need to know any more. That's more than 50% of the people in the United States. And I am married with two children and a carport. And we have a house, um, a vacation home. I'm very busy. You know, I mean, and so God goes, well, I can't use this person. I've been trying to use them, but they're not in the Bible. They're not in the word. They're not with me. So I'll just go ahead and use this homeless person. Or I'll go ahead and use this wacky, you know, young man. Or I'll just use whoever. So we need to know and recognize and understand that familiarity is Satan's trick to cause us to sometimes miss the miracles that God would do. And Jesus said it. And we're going to go and look at it, Mark 6, 1, and be more specific of what Jesus meant when he said that a prophet is not without honor except in his own hometown. 
In Mark 6, 1, Jesus went out from there and came into his hometown, Nazareth, and his disciples followed him. And when Sabbath came, he began teaching in the synagogue, and the many listeners were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? And what is this wisdom given to him and such miracles as these performed by his hands? And then Mark 6, 3 says, is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and, jo- and Joseph and Judas and Simon? Are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. You know what? That is huge. And we will, t- I want to expand on that word, offended and offense, on a completely separate lesson. But that taking offense at anyone is like opening the door to the devil. I, and I will explain it later, but just know that taking offense, just being offended, like maybe you weren't invited to something, or maybe just you think so-and-so thinks they're something on a stick, which I learned from my in-laws. It's like a saying among like 90-year-old people, so I have to explain it. It, they they would say, well, so-and-so thinks there's something on a stick, and I, I never could figure out what that meant. My interpretation is maybe you're just a piece of meat until you're on a stick and then you're a shish kebab. I don't know. That was the best thing I could figure out. But if anyone else knows what that means. So they're going, gosh, his sisters are here. His brothers are here. You know, we're offended that he would try to talk for God. In other words, same thing. Lots of times when when um, people know the person talking, it's like, well... God's not talking through them or God's not, you know, going to heal through them or God. He's just this guy from Oklahoma. I mean, yeah, he probably didn't have a job, you know, I mean, and and yet God uses whoever he wants to use. That's the thing because God's God. God's God. God can use one of our children. Don't let it slip away from you. I can't tell you how many lessons I've learned from my children. Of course, unbeknownst to them, because if they knew, I would they would forever hold it over my head, <laughs> their personality types. But, you know, I, I just remember Maddie just pulling out her, her ponytails and, and just uh, me saying, I, I'll wait, Maddie, I'll help you pull, I'll help you pull those out when we get home, but she couldn't wait to get the bows out, so she lost about half her hair, which she couldn't afford, because she didn't have that much hair, and God just said, you know, that's so you, Kathleen, instead of waiting for me to help you and do it right, you're going to yank it out, you're going to do what you want to do, and, and have pain in the process, you know, so we learn from our children, well, we're back at Mark 6, 4, And Jesus said to them, after they took offense at him, A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and among his own relatives and in his own household. And then I want you to look at something there in Mark 6, 5. He could do no miracle there except that he laid his hands on a few sick, and healed them. Why? Mark 6, 6 tells us. And he wondered at their unbelief. Mm-hmm. Familiarity causes unbelief. 
Familiarity causes unbelief. And and so that's what we need to be so careful with. You know, you hear about pastors that were just so on fire for the Lord and they went globally and 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 they did mission trips and they did all these good things and then it's almost like the familiarity with God was like, oh well, you know, I'm above these rules or whatever. And then that's what just ruins the reputation of Christianity um, to people is, is, well, this televangelist did this and this did that. I'm telling you familiarity. We should always and at all times fear and revere God. I mean, little Storm is in this little phase of where he says he gets excited. And I don't know where he learned it, but he goes, oh, God. And I, he has a little raspy voice, and I'm like, no, say, oh, goodness. And he's like, oh, goodness. You know, and because I want him to understand that we are to fear and revere the name of God. We are to fear and revere him at all times and not be familiar with him. Why? Because unbelief causes miracles to be blocked from our lives. It's not that... You say God, that's not it. It's more that familiar stance of like, be honest with yourself. Think about what situation that you need God in in your life. There's probably one, two, three, many situations. Okay? Think about that. For me, it's a particular situation. I have degeneration in C5, 6 in my neck, and the only solution, really, is to fuse my neck, which would mean I'd be completely fused, and I don't have peace about that. So I have a little situation there that only God can do. Think about your situations, and then ask yourself this question. Are you expecting God to be God in that situation? See, that's faith. Sometimes people go, I don't know if I have faith or not. I don't really know if I have faith. I just know you have to have faith with mustard seed, or maybe you're born with a portion of faith, or you're given faith. Or is it when you're confirmed you're given faith? Or I remember telling people that, um, I don't know why I used to get it mixed up all the time between baptism and crucifixion. I used to say, oh, I got, you know, crucified <laughs> at the such and such church. I'm sure they really appreciate that, you know. <laughs> Some people go, well, you probably did. But anyway, there is a certain knowing. If someone says, are you expecting, you know if you are or not. Someone says, are you in faith or not? And also know that a stepping stone to faith is hope. Like when you come in here and you're like, ah, I'm leaving hopeful. That's a stepping stone to faith. We don't want to let our minds just wander around. God tells us in in, in 2 Corinthians 10.5 to take our minds captive to the obedience of Christ. In other words, know enough of the word where you don't let your mind just wander around to the worst possibility and... I mean, how much fun is it to talk to somebody on the phone who's everything's wrong and this is wrong and, and you know, it, 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 and this is what's probably going to happen. And if I do that, this bad thing's going to happen. And it's just, it's a habit, but it's a demonic habit. 
because they're shifting their life in a negative direction instead of saying, hey, you know what? I'm expecting God. Hey, I don't like this situation. Um, There's nothing fair about this earth. (laughs) Nothing. I mean, who said it's supposed to be fair? It's not fair because we live in a fallen world. Oh, my gosh. Am I so thankful for the things I have? I mean, am I so thankful to be able to sit in this room right now without police breaking in and putting us in jail and or worse for studying the Bible? Am I so thankful that with Jesus, there's always hope? And so it's just taking those thoughts captive and making sure that we stay in belief. And sometimes that's too... um, Peripheral. Sometimes the, the word faith, the word belief, I want you all to think of expect, and I want you to ask yourself through the week, what am I expecting? Am I expecting the worst? Am I expecting what has happened before? Or am I expecting like anything God wants to do? And I mean, we the Bible tells us we say the we serve the same God that He's not. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so he still parts the waters. He still moves bones. He still heals leprosy. He still does things in people's hearts that you think, oh my goodness, you know, I can't believe this is happening. He still sends people to people. He has angels still rescuing people. How how many times have we just said, God, you're just not even doing anything with this child of mine, and we don't realize how many angels he has sent to keep their car from drifting over the line and to get hit. I mean, seriously, we don't know. We need to understand and know that God is faithful and expect, 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 expect. Back to John 4.45. When he came to Galilee, the Galileans received him, having seen all the things he did in Jerusalem at the feast. For they also had gone to the feast. And y'all remember that big feast where they ran out of wine and his mom said, okay, do whatever he says. And then he turned that wine into water. I mean, that water into wine. And that's, they remembered that. So they have faith that he can do something And that he is something because they watched him do something. So Jesus came again to Cana of Galilee where he had made the water wine. And there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. And when he heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him and implored him to come and heal his son for he was at the point of death. And in John 4.48, Jesus said to him, Unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. And the nobleman said, Sir, come down before my child dies. And Jesus said to him, Go your way. Your son lives. Okay, did the nobleman see anything? No. Did he he, he, he sense anything happening? Did it say, and the nobleman got um, chills up his arms? Right? No, you know what it says? It says, so the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went his way. That is such a word for us today. 
You believe the word that Jesus spoke in the word. And then you go your way. You do your thing. It is not going to help to sit and fret. As a matter of fact, Psalm 37 says, fretting leads to evil. It's not that just fretting leads to fretting. It's like fretting leads to evil. Always. Because we come up with a solution instead of God's solution. And a lot of times our solution is really a bad idea. And we don't know it, you know, because we think we're so smart. So we need to look at this. This man is such a great example. He believed and went his way. He believed and he had faith in the word. He did not see anything. He did not feel anything. He did not smell anything, touch anything, hear anything. See, faith is when you leave your five senses, which are earth things, and you just say, I'm expecting God. I just, I just read this, you know, scripture that he can transform the most brittle heart. And I'm expecting God. I'm expecting God. I have an economic situation and I don't know how we're going to pay these bills, but I am expecting God. Um, just know that he's my Jehovah Jireh. He's the Lord who provides. And I know that I just want to be obedient to him. And so he believed and went his way. And I love that went his way because it's belief with obedience that is like the key. You know, it's belief with obedience. In other words, sometimes I'll pray about something and it'll be like, okay, God, I gave it to you. I gave it all to you. And then I'm like, what do I do now? You know, and he's like, well, go to the grocery store, you know. And so I'll go to the grocery store. And I told you all, I always leave an extra 20 minutes in my schedule because I always end up praying with somebody in the grocery store. And so by the time I've prayed with someone and come home with new food, I'm so happy. And I've even probably forgotten about what I'm praying about. And not only that, I mean, I can go to the office. I go on my way. I just am obedient to him. And that's when I'm blessed. I'm I'm discouraged when I am not obedient to him. And believe me, there are times. And and you can feel the difference. You can feel the grace. You can feel when your flesh wants to have a party. Sometimes a pity party. Or a negative party. Or just a hang all out and do anything and everything party. And it does not make you feel good afterwards. It's like what Satan tempts us to do. He condemns us for doing after we do it. And so you don't feel good afterwards. You feel like you want to hide from God. Whereas when we believe God and we obey God by saying, I just believe you and just show me what to do right now. Am I okay? I'll clean up the room or I'll clean the house or I'll go to the office or whatever you need to do. And we stop fretting about the problem and move on. We're going to have an amazing peace. The first time, second time, third time, fourth time that you do that, it's going to feel so odd. Really odd. Because we weren't taught to do that. Even our lovely school systems and mothers and fathers have taught us to think about things. Think about it. Solve it. Think about it. Call a friend. Think about it. Talk about it. Think about it. Google it. 
How many times do we Google before we go to God? I'm sure he's just laughing like, go ahead, whatever. You're going to pull up 2,597 opinions. Half of them are from people who don't know me and are really wacko. And I'm trying to reach them. I'd like to reach them through you and not you trying to reach out to them. And I mean, just go to him. Obey him. Take him at his word. And I think that is what, what is so huge. That's what's so huge about this nobleman is he took Jesus at his word. He took him at his word. And it says that as he was going down, John five fifty one, his servants met him and told him, your son lives. And he inquired of them the hour when his son had gotten better. And they said to him, yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. So the father knew it was at the same hour in which Jesus said, your son lives. And he himself believed in his whole household. So it's like one a change in 2012. I think about that every time there's a new year. There are things we want to change. And you want to change in 2012. We need two things. We need God's word. We need uh, uh, believing it. Actually, we need three things. God's word, believing it, and obeying it. God's word, believing it, and obeying it. So when he says don't fret, we need to catch ourselves fretting and go, I don't really understand. I mean, my mother fretted. My grandmother fretted. My great-grandmother fretted. It's a family thing. We're all supposed to fret. Everyone from Scotland frets, okay? So we're fretters. And, 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 and I was raised to fret. You can't do that. You have to say, I'm a new creature in Christ, and I'm going to give this concern and worry and fretting, I'm going to give it to God, and I'm going to expect from Him. I'm going to expect the best from Him. Your son lives. To change in 2012, we need God's word. We need believing it, which is faith. Expectation is faith. Hope is the stepping stone to faith. And obedience is like that word that, oh, I did not like that word. Obedience. You know, I don't know. It just kind of rubbed me the wrong way. But now I love that word. I love the word. And, and, and I'll explain why. It'll take a while. But we need God's word and our believing it. Psalm 51.10. Is, these are some scriptures that we can pray for change in 2002. And believe it. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. I love the King James, so I read it out of the King James. But basically, if King James kind of makes you um, stumble, I'm going to just say, It's created me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, but restore unto me joy. What kind of joy? The joy of the fact that I'm in this world and that I don't belong in this world. This is a temporary world. I know that there is a heaven. 
I know that that's where I'm going because I, I believe in Jesus and he's my Lord, not because I don't make mistakes, not because I, don't, I, I perfectly obey my husband, not because I cover my head with a cloth, not because I wear a long dress. To, I mean, you know, there's all these extra rules and regulations. We need to realize it's through Christ and Christ only. And he'll restore the joy of our salvation. Think about the joy of just being saved. Realizing, I, I, I'm going to heaven. I am going to heaven. The joy of your salvation. And then I love it where it says here in, 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 in Psalm 51.10, And uphold me with thy free spirit. It's saying that God's spirit will literally uphold you. And there are times, don't you feel like, I mean, Maddie just had um, anesthesia. And so when I walked her to the car, well, first of all, they wheeled her to the car. But then when I walked her to the house, she was holding on to me because she was really wobbly. And there's times in our lives where we feel like somebody needs to uphold me because I am not. Uh, being able to uphold myself. And a lot of times we try to draw that from our husbands. And and God will sometimes frustrate that. God. You know, for years I felt like, oh, Lacey can just uphold me. Until God frustrated it. And then it was like God wanted to say, Kathleen, no, it's not Lacey. It is me. And I want you to see that it's the Holy Spirit that needs to uphold you. You need to know that it's the Holy Spirit that upholds you. It's not your own intelligence. It's not your husband. It's not your wife. It's not your job. It's not your children. It's not your place in life. It's not where you live. It's not your family. It's God. It is God who upholds us. And then, of course, we have to know Romans 12, too, for a new... Uh, the new year, especially since it's 12, 2012, and Romans 12, 2 is like this ministry's center point. And, and I just kind of turned it into a little prayer. So if you kind of want to pray it with me um, silently, and then I'm going to give us another verse. Lord, help me not to be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of my mind that I might prove what is good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. God will help us to not be transformed, but be renewed through our mind, through the word of God, through the washing of the word, as it says in Ephesians 5.26. And then, you know, sometimes it looks like things are going to hell in a handbasket. <laughs> I'm just being honest. I mean, sometimes... You know, especially with people we love or um, I, I just have a situation where um, late, a certain individual who's short and tan in our house did something, got reprimanded for it, and then did it again. And to do it the first time was really like, this kid is seriously, I mean, you know, he's he's... The only thing parents can say is he's seriously a leader, you know. It's the only positive thing you can come up with. He is a risk taker. He is a leader. He is a, he is going to be great once we, you know, beat the pajamas out of him. <laughs> but we don't beat him. But anyway, um, so he did it again. And 
I had to go back upstairs and say, you know what, God, that good work you began in him, you're going to complete it in Christ Jesus. That's Philippians 1, 6. We can pray for ourselves and others, even for yourself when you fall, when you fall short, when you sin, when you trip and you do the same thing again, or for others. You can say, I am confident, Philippians 1, 6, of this very thing that he who began a good work in you and me will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. I am confident. He began a good work. He began a good work in our son. He will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. We have to also know and see and say the scriptures in order to have the hope and have the faith and have the expectation. And so it's like the more you know, the more you grow, the more you grow, the more you know, and the more you just want more of the word. You can't get enough of it. I'm insatiable when it comes to God's word. And It's amazing how many things that Satan will try to do to keep you out of just reading the word. I mean, he will put things in your mind. He cannot put things in a spirit of a Christian. So he will always go to your mind. And that's how you know, because God doesn't go to your mind. God goes to your spirit. You talk to God spirit to spirit. God's a spirit. You are a spirit. You talk to God spirit to spirit. You just know it. It's like in your gut. It's like in your spirit. But Satan goes to your mind, and you can sit down with your Bible, and he'll say, you're going to get bored. <laughs> Seriously, you're, you already are bored. You're going to fall asleep. You're really not going to get that much out of this. Um, there's a special on television about helium balloons. You love helium balloons. I mean, it's the stupidest things that he will bring up. You need to call your great aunt. Because you need to feel guilty that you haven't called your great aunt. Guilt, 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 guilt. And then you're like, okay, I won't read the Bible right now. I'll, call, I'll read the Bible after I call my great aunt. Just keep in mind Matthew six thirty three: Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and God's righteousness. And all these other things will be added to you. God knows we have all these other things to do, but he's saying, I want to be first in your life. So one thing I want us to pray before we close in in 2012 is that God really be first in our life. That Jesus be first in our life. And, And Jesus came in the flesh as a man, but now he's here in the spirit, in his word. And he lives in our hearts. So he can talk to you in your heart like he did to me that breakfast when he was like, you know what? I live in your heart, Kathleen. You're too familiar with me. You're not expecting me to do anything awesome. You're talking to all these surgeons. And I was starting to get kind of like, wow. Ooh, you feel kind of heavy. And you kind of feel like, wow, you know. And, um, and, And then all of a sudden when I heard that I felt so light I felt so expected and so happy and and amazingly physically speaking the pain has been better I cannot explain that 
nor do I think it's psychological, nor do I think it's psychosomatic. I think it's God. It's in my gut that it's God. And so we need to know that we go to him spirit to spirit and we need to put him first. And that is opening this word and getting it in our hearts. Putting one scripture from today. Just choose. This is your, this is your painless homework. Choose one scripture from today that just really hits you. One scripture that really, really hits you. And tape it on your dashboard of the car. Don't tape it on your steering wheel because then you might get in a wreck trying to read it because it goes upside down. I've done that before. <laughs> when I try to memorize scripture, I'll tape it all over the place, you know. And I started out taping it on my wheel and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to And so anyway, I learned the hard way that that's not a good idea. But you'll never be bored in traffic again because you'll always be busy I mean, you'll almost be like, red light, don't change yet. I haven't gotten this scripture down. Come on. Train, get longer. I got to get these two scriptures down. I want them down. I want them in my heart. Because when they're in your heart, man, the Holy Spirit has so much more to work with. Give them something to work with. Lord, I just pray that you remain first in our lives in 2012. We absolutely, positively cannot do that on our own. We don't even pretend to do that on our own. But we know that you, who begin a good work in us, will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. We are trusting you. And we are asking you to help us to be obedient to that that still small voice that might say, you know, open your Bible about this. And... To overcome our flesh and the world and the devil that is always and always and always distracting. There always is something else to do. There's always something immediate and important and urgent. And Lord, you tell us that you'll take care of those things if we go to you first. And we need to trust you on that. We ask for you to help us with that. In Jesus' name. Go to livingjesus.us to hear the rest of Kathleen's message and hundreds more at no cost. Thousands of people in 40 countries download Kathleen's scripture-filled, Jesus-inspired, real-life messages at an increasing rate. Jesus said, freely you received, freely give, Matthew 10.8. If you are able, financially join us in reaching the world for Jesus. Go to livingjesus.us and freely give so that those who could never pay will continue to freely receive.